You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Dan McDougall is a Tim Hortons franchisee in Atlantic Canada, and he's a long-standing client of ours who managed a culture transformation in his quick-serve business and shares his journey taking over the family business today. Dan didn't look to other franchisees for solutions. He knew they had the same challenges and weren't trying anything different. Instead, Dan decided to work on his culture and connect with people who were doing incredible things to create engaged teams. Dan shares what a struggle it is to transform a culture and some of the difficult conversations he had along the way. In this episode, we'll see how the pandemic resulted in the strongest cultural breakthrough in his team when he showed true, authentic leadership. Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today I've got a client, customer, and friend, Dan McDougall, on with us. Dan, welcome. How are you? I'm good, man. I was. <clears throat> I know we had to reschedule this because we had a technology problem last time, but I was pumped to get you on, um, and especially because you know we've had so, such a wide variety of guests, you know, from thought leaders to um, you know C suites, <clears throat> CEOs, but we haven't had someone that's transitioned a company. And so, you know, we've done your introduction, but Dan, you've got, uh, you own Tim Hortons franchises in Eastern Canada, Nova Scotia. And these were your father's businesses that you transitioned and now have acquired these businesses. And give us a little context, Dan, I, just, just to set this up, how long did your father have them and just your, your involvement when you were growing up? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a different story. Like I'll kind of, I guess, go into how my dad got involved. Dad yeah, was, great. Yeah. Dad was a lawyer. Um, my grandfather owns a law firm in town and where I'm from. He uh, did that for a year, hated it and just straight up left, left my grandfather hanging family business, kind of a, a big deal and took on a few uh, local pizza franchises and basically was he tells me the story over and over again, but he took them over right in the time where it was the, uh, every corner store was starting to sell pizza. Right. Right. So he, he did his whole thing. He was like, you know, you would go to work at 10 in the morning. You'd stay there till four in the morning. And he just did that over and over again in Halifax until I was five. Yeah. And it's, it's admirable for sure. And then he tells me, yeah, we were pretty much bankrupt and he, he got an offer from another place and went in and started doing some some business development things for basically franchises. And they, he and a few other guys uh, went in on a Tim's in, geez, it would be 92, 93. So wow. early, early on. And they all took it over together, just one, and eventually split off. And then dad went in with another guy in 94 and they split off again. And then there was just one. And you know, growing up, it was just constantly, yeah, you know, you can do this if you want to, you can do this. And I'm just like, no, not a chance. I'm not getting involved with food and coffee and hair nets. Like that's not my, my right. thing. You know, as a child, you look at that and you think, you know, it's, you're naive and you just think of, you know, your friends who work in a fast food place for a job yeah. and you just think that that's just not. You were doing some part-time work. Or is this even before, but you, you, you were there, well there as a kid. Yeah. I, I never worked there as a kid. Um, okay. I was off, obviously offered to work there over and over and over again, but I never did, never even, never even thought about it, to be fully honest, was completely against the idea. And to see kind of dad was very hands-on to kind of see 
his involvement in it and the fact that, you know, he was gone all the time off doing things and, you know, the old putting no fires left, right and center, that, right. that kind of thing. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, no, not a chance. Not, not for me. That's not the life I want to live. So what, what made the, and we'll get into, you know, there, there's some, some fabulous, um, you got a fabulous journey, but at this point in the journey, what was the switch to you to say, okay, yeah, okay, fine. Let me get involved with this thing a little bit. What was the switch? Or so, it's like, I don't have options. I'm in infield. <laughs> no, like that, that was pretty much it. Like we, we live in a small town in Truro. And so it's about half an hour from where they're even located. Right. And I was, uh, I had a little bit of a rough high school and didn't kind of go out there and good marks or anything like that. And uh, went to university pretty much because my dad, I think, knew somebody and I was able to get in and I hated every minute of it. And I was in like switching degrees, moving from school to school, that whole song and dance. And eventually just, I say I dropped out, but I flunked out, like, who are we kidding? And uh, yeah, it came to the point where there was just no other option. I had this thing in front of me and I'm thinking, no, I don't really want to do it. I'm just 23, 24 at the time. Yeah. And now looking at your friends, starting to do things, figure things out. And here I am like, what is going on? So I just said, you know, let's see what happens. Right. And I'm young. Let's test the waters here. Right. In all, in all honesty, Ron, it was basically like, I don't have anything else. What else right. am I going to do? And took a chance and it was all of options. And they sent me off to old uh, Tim's university in Oakville, Ontario for nine, 10 weeks. And wow, that was it. That was so, so, you know, look, when we met, which was what, three years ago, two and a half, something like that. Three, yeah. Three years ago, you know, you were just transferring into the business. I mean, you, you were there and um, the business had a different culture right? It, it certainly, and, and let's not, I, I don't want to go to where it is today because this is exciting, but explain what you walked into. What was the culture three years ago? What, what did it look like if you, you know, from a customer standpoint, from your standpoint? And like even further back, like I got involved when I was probably five years. So two years before we met and the whole culture of everything was, it was just a toxic work environment. Right. And I think that's pretty common in this industry, in this industry, and just of this idea that, you know, you show up, you do your work, you check everything at the door and you do that and you leave. And that was definitely the kind of vibe. And, and that's the way, you know, my father was taught. That's the way I was taught. That was like the kind of thing is that you come in, you work hard, you do everything, everything goes through you before there's the decision made. And uh, people hated that and they resented it. And they, you know, they were pigeonholed into a place where, you know, all you're going to do is pour coffee and that's it. And if you're not happy doing it, we'll find someone else. That's right. It's, it's an engine. We'll spit you up, chew you out. And, and so, but you, you know, you said we were, we were trained in that. And, and, and so then it becomes a belief, right? Because it was probably, would it be fair to say that was your belief? Look, Ron, this is the industry. This is what it is. Or, you know, that's what we're in. That's, that's the way, like my peer group of, anyone I've been in business with is that's just the way it is. Like, right. it's not, it's not our fault. It's the people who work. Yeah. For it. It's all them. You know, that, you know what? I want to repeat that. I think so many have that mindset is it's not our fault being the leader owner. Right. It's not our fault. It's their fault. This is just yeah. the people that we have. That's our, that's our options. That's all we have to work with. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, 
they're not doing well. What did we do wrong? Nothing. We brought them in the door. We put them on their four training shifts and we pay them. What do we have to worry about anything? Isn't that wild? And so what was your, you know, when we started to have discussions, you were probably uh, potentially a disbeliever, like, you know, cause <laughs> even, even for me, I certainly had my own journey of is culture just fluff and rainbows and unicorns or what is it? Where's the value? You know, what was your aha moment, Dan, that, that you were like, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe I, maybe it's time to lean into this thing, this culture thing. Did you have a one moment where you're like, well, maybe it isn't just the way things are. Yeah. I, I look back mostly on kind of our, our supervisor level, like our middle management group of people who, uh, you know, we have someone, I think a crystal I'll use as an example. She's someone who works for us. She's extremely outgoing, energetic, you know, wants to be involved, but was always kind of either working a back shift shift or an evening shift. And that was kind of it, you know, she, she didn't, she, she wasn't reaching her potential, nor was she really given the opportunity to really reach her potential. You know, she ran a great shift and, and that was it. And, you know, through, well, I guess the process we did with you guys, we were able to find this person who had all this energy and, you know, had everything you would want in a, in an employee in a team member, and I remember we went through a, you know, starting to do a new hiring process and we thought we all looked at each other like, this is the person we want to hire. And, you know, we, without all the, the different, I guess, avenues we use to hire, we just, I remember sitting down with her. I'm like, anyone who's like you, they've got to be in here through the door. So, so it sounds like the, the lean in was, wow, we've got these human capital assets, you know, people yeah. with untapped potential that, 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 that can really help us. That's just who we want, right? Yeah. And a lot of it too, is that we've had like kind of, and I guess this is an industry standard of having like these entrenched employees who are used to this certain role and you try and bring people in, but you're just bringing people in and they're churning out the next day, next week, because, you know, they're getting rejected by this core group. So we kind of looked at each other and be like, all right, we have to hire for great characteristics and we have to find a way to, to get them in here and kind of, get them to change the culture. Like the newer ones are easier to kind of teach your vision, essentially. That's right. And let's go back to that because, you know, I remember way back, we, we, we kind of had this foundation ground zero re-onboarding of folks. But for you, that, that had to be scary, Dan, because wasn't that a, a divisive moment where some people were like, look, I don't, I've been here for five, six, seven, 10 years. I worked with your old man. I'm not into what you're selling. I'm gonna, I'm not really interested. So for you, that must have been scary. Like, uh oh, you know, so and so's always been great at delivering coffee or serving coffee, and they're they don't want to come on this new path with me. It was frustrating. Like, I guess I didn't. I saw that, and I was okay. In all honesty, I was okay yeah. with not them coming along. But a lot of people who've been there before weren't right. Right, like, they were uncomfortable. Like, whoa, my coworkers. I like what you're saying, yeah. Dan. I like what you're what where you were headed, but so and so's leaving. This is what's going on. You know, she's been, you know, we've got a lot of pushback from, you know, older, older employees, employees who've been there for a while. Yeah. Um, and we got pushback from, you know, customers. I remember moments and people coming up and to me in the parking lot, just being like, she's been here for 12 years. What the hell are you doing? I was just wow. like, oh, my God. a lot of pressure. I was like, oh my God, I didn't think this was that big of a deal. Right. But that, that type of thing. And that was the really hard, hard part. And we had, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of cynics a lot mm. of cynics and you know it we didn't really get a lot of traction for geez i would say year year and a half of yeah. kind of pushing those people over because a lot of 
a lot of the stuff we were trying to do around culture, you know, themes and games and all that stuff was, that was common in the industry, but it was kind of a, we did it for a week. And if it didn't catch then see you later. Like, right, right. So that was everyone's mentality is like, okay, here comes the boss's son. He's trying something new. We've seen this new stuff a million times. It's going to die in a week and we'll check it at the door and go back to making coffee and stick into what we're he'll run out of steam right this is just flavor of the week that's and and you know so it sounds like one of the lessons as you think back was wow we had to continue to work on culture this was not you don't flick a switch this is like wow this has to be part of the business now yeah and i mean that's 100 percent it is when we were hiring and bringing in new people we're hiring for culture we weren't hiring for you know, this person knows how to pour coffee. They know how to do all this. Which is, can I interrupt? That's what you used to do. That's what everyone does. That's what everyone does. You know, they worked at this job for how many years? They know all this stuff. Yeah, let's get them in the door ASAP. Let's hire them. It's like, well, why are they leaving that job? Why are they not fitting in? Because, you know, it's interesting. I I was thinking of two things, challenges that you're faced with, with, but three actually, because, you know, and just so those who are listening, so so RBI, Restaurant Brands International, owns Tim Hortons, which is a huge Canadian brand, and Burger King, which is international. And so Dan is a franchisee. So you get you had three things work against you. You have, this isn't my company, like RBI owns this thing. I, I am a franchisee and I'm a, a business owner of, of some of these locations. I'm transferring my father's legacy business, who's been doing this for a long time. And I'm in a tough space. This is close to minimum wage, you know, move fast, a lot of pressure. I mean, you had three things uh, going against you, Dan. Well, <laughs> and not to add How to are you alive? No. <laughs> yeah, lots of coffee, right? Mm-hmm. No, a lot of it too is not just all that you mentioned, but we were in a market that was pretty limited for, for options. And all of a sudden that starts to grow up around. And we start realizing like, hey, you know, we always used to have a long list of resumes. It'd be no problem. Like, we'll find hiring, whatever. All of a sudden, that's less and less, too. So we're fighting in like a job market that's changing dramatically, too. Right. And so, so you're right. That's the fourth piece is, 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 you know, back to that belief of it's just our industry. And that's all we have. This is, this is our only option. So walk us through, you know, as you got to the other side of that. And then we'll, we'll dive down into some of the changes and where it is today. Yeah. Um, geez, it was a long process of yeah. kind of getting to the other side. I mean, we had huge kind of pain points around yeah. middle management and, you know, we came in through with this vision and some managers that, left. Yeah, absolutely. We lost, you know, a yeah. lot of people are transitioned out, you know, whether it be our choice or they just said, you know what, this isn't the fit. Like, I don't want to put in this extra effort. I don't really go along with it, which is fine. That's no hard feelings, whatever. Like that was, that were, that was probably the biggest change point is some management shifts of, you know, we were taking the time out, having these constant meetings, pitching these ideas. And, you know, the team saw us doing all this and they're like, you know, I'm preaching it to them. And then it's just dying with that manager and mid-level who just didn't believe in it. Yeah. So, you know, we're investing time, money, everything and to try and do it i'm preaching this thing and they're just looking at me like this guy is so full of shit right you know? and yeah. no one really has our back so mm-hmm. you know, they're during the week trying to preach this message and it's going nowhere yeah it and must that- have been tough for you too to say geez you know am i you know am i going to continue to believe right because it, 
you know, you were going from, you had this transition of, you know, I'm in the weeds, I'm in the business, I'm firefighting, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm at, I don't know if you're micromanaging, but you're certainly very involved to the business to, I'm taking a different role now. And then I know that your role today, which I want to talk about, but that, that had to be a tough transition of like, oh God, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't even a matter of, I was always very anti-micromanage. I never wanted right. to do that. I saw if my dad ever listens to this, he's going to kill me, but he was a huge micromanager. That was right. his thing. He does it with me all the time. Sorry, dad. But <laughs> that's the, that's, I saw how he did everything and how it all depended on him. And I was like, no, not going to happen. Not letting that be my be my Story. thing. Like I, I want to grow. I want to have a, you know, he was happy with one, two stores. I'm not, I want to like see different avenues. And yeah. what I found out more and more is, you know, as we're pitching these ideas, like I was almost forced into micromanaging because mm. things weren't getting done by middle management that they would just employees, team members, just hop over them and come to me. And that was the kind of, well, almost an aha moment too, of just, oh, they're coming to me because none of this is getting done. They're not communicating right. any of this. And that was almost one of our biggest difficulties is just communication about anything, anything yeah. at all. So interesting. And so talk us through, so, so we do ground zero, you know, it's a long journey, but the culture starts to come around. You, you know, some people leave, some people stay, we're doing themes and contests and, and having fun. We're starting to get traction. When was the first like, okay, because I remember back then seeing customer emails that would be shared that even the customers were like, this place feels different. Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I think of one person actually, and I hope she listens. I'm gonna make her listen to this. Um, she was a long-term employee. Like Candace, I think was with us 12 years. And uh, she was, I use the Elmsdale example because yeah. Elmsdale is a store that has been around for 25 years. So the customers, they see everything. You know, it was one of those things like I would walk in the front door and they'd be like, hey, listen, this isn't going well. You know, maybe you should be a little faster, this and that. The same place where I got called out in the parking lot. Yeah. And I, I think of Candace, she was, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, like she was either on her way up or on her way out. It was, it was right. one or the other things. And she would, she would push back on me constantly, constantly. And, you know, it was getting to the point where it was just kind of, getting frustrating. And, you know, I was just thinking, all right, like, here's a roadblock. She was a huge cynic. She was a surf, same person who would say like, yeah, you guys have tried a thousand of these things. Right, before. Give up. Like I ain't, I ain't buying it. And I remember just like, all right, it's time to have the conversation. And I sat down with her and we talked and I said, Hey, if you're not happy here, I have no problem. That's okay. Like I'll work with you to find another job, another place that makes you happy. See Dan Park right there, keep yeah. your thought, but this is a very important is, is, you know, this transition and the, the, the openness, transparency and empathy and support, right. Which says, Hey, Dan, I get that you don't agree with where this company's headed and that's okay. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm going to help you transition out. Yeah. Right? And that's huge. And huge. Yeah. Empathy, like being empathetic is one of our core values and supporting each other. So those two huge things, and that doesn't just apply to, someone who's still in the business, but also applies to like, Hey, maybe someone's going through something. Maybe they're just not comfortable with it. And they just yeah. need that, that guidance go, over there. Go back to that conversation. You yeah. deliver that message. How's it go? So, so she, uh, yeah, she was taken back by it. You know, she didn't realize she was, 
yeah, she, I, I think she teared up and she'll call me out if I'm wrong, but she, she said, you know, I said, there's two options. We can either, you know, work with you to find another job or we'll essentially hold you to the flame and work with you and try and get better. And you can, we, we want you to be here then. If you yeah, want to want be you involved in this new culture journey, but there has to be, and I don't want to speak for her, Yeah, absolutely. but my experience, you know, in the security business, when we went through this was the employee's belief in some cases where, what do you mean you're going to help me get out of here? You need me. I, I, my belief is that this business can't work without me. What do you mean that you're willing to head on a new path? And it, that's, a, that's an eye-opening moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I don't think anyone's ever really, well, you, who worked with us had a conversation where it hasn't been like, all right, here's a piece of paper. We wrote up all the policies, sign right. it, this is your last chance, whatever. I just sat down with her and said, let's grab a coffee. Let's chat. Like you would have, like, prob- like probably you would a friend, right? I would a friend, you know, I, I think it's more worthwhile to just have genuine conversations yeah. with people than all this BS policy yeah. stuff that just gets everyone back up. And good for you, Dan, because and- for sure at that point, that would have been uncomfortable and out of your comfort zone for you, right? Yeah, that was, in all honesty, Ron, like that was probably on the top five most difficult conversations. Yeah. The four before there are like way off yeah, and yeah. left you know, difficult, yeah. but that was, that was the one. And, and, you know, and credit to Shannon who talked to me a mm-hmm. lot, who works with you guys. Yeah. He, uh, he's just like, Hey, just think in your head, the most positive possible outcome. Just thinking that. Cause you go into those thinking, all right, she's going to yell at me. Right. She's going to scream, whatever. And then she's still going to be here. We're still going to have to deal with this whole right, issue. Right. And she went into it and credit to her. She said, I, you know, I want to be here. I, you know, she apologized. She sent me a message at home and a big write up and just like, really. That was, was her cool. aha moment. That's I'm in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was the sky's the limit since then. I mean, mm-hmm. she went from being like, I'm not buying all this to I'm the biggest promoter in this location. And so, you know, Dan, the other thing that we used to chat about, and, and of course, you know, this is step-by-step. Step. This yeah. doesn't, anyone who's going through culture transformation, no matter what size company you have, it's a slug, you know, it, it, it's a, I don't know if I'm using the right term there. It's, yeah. it's a grind. Yeah. <laughs> so, and one thing that I'm so proud of what you've done today, and I want to hear a few stories on this. And, and I talk about outrageous empowerment. And of course, you know, in the security world was the untapped potential right. of people who, you know, do job functions, but have way more potential can do way more for the business. And so, so, so then you started to transfer some of that stuff. I know you've got a story. I think it's Crystal who, who's, who was a worker and is involved in some hiring now. Tell us some about when you started to tap into people for, for outside of, you know, fine, I can use a cash register and pour coffee, but now I'm doing something else for the business. Yeah, well, we talked about Crystal early, earlier. Like she leads all our hiring, everything. You know, she owns it. Like we don't have to worry about it. You know, our, our GM, Daryl, it was always something that, would just be on his plate and you that's right it was one of his favorite things to do and i think he would admit that and we had someone in crystal who's here's bubbly she's got all the energy in the world she's positive she's a culture captain you know leads all the our core values by example and we're thinking like this is the person we want to have in there bringing the staff in this is the person when they sit down they get excited to come to work they look at what we're doing and they think this is who I want to work for. If this because and I want to be clear, in your model, the manager does the hiring, firing, and they, they, they're just on their plate. That's part of the job description. Now we're moving to 
we're moving to aligning someone's passion and skills with a company's needs. Exactly. I mean, how many times I've talked to, you know, other, other people involved in similar businesses who they do all the hiring themselves because they don't trust anyone to bring in someone worthwhile. Meanwhile, they're just firing through it to get it done. And they see the person, you know, once every week. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we have someone who's, you know, on the floor with them, they're around them, they guide them through the whole process. You know, she, she's the person who, when they get to their three months, we have a big party, we do gifts, you know, all that stuff. And uh, that's huge. She's a huge part of our company, huge part. And it's great, Dan, because even your energy and even the look on your face, I mean, you're just full of smiles. You know, your, your journey has changed. I I would say from belief system of this is what it is, maybe cynical to this is a lot of work to today. You're more you're really a you know strategy support and getting out of the way right oh like all along like i talked about middle management being like a pain point i look at back at it i'm like so was i right you know, here i am trying to guide everyone help them out or whatever when really i just got to stay back and check in with them once a week and be like hey how are things going how's your goals cool you're done good which is very interesting because there's other franchises that that are still in the old system they they they're like I think on a lot of days they hate their lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My life's pretty sweet. So I'm all right with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, I was just talking, um, we had one of the uh, uh, C-suites from Microsoft on uh, on our last podcast. And we were talking about the pandemic and the, um, you know, the impacts it's had on business and on culture. And, you know, your business and your industry is one that, especially here in Canada, Atlantic Canada, has had significant impact because not just open, close, you know, stores open, only takeout. You had all these pivots and, and it was almost like being in startup phase, start, stop, start, stop, which is draining. But you had government support. The government right. saying, hey, we'll give you in Canada, it's a third program where people could actually stay home and, and get almost as much as they'd make in the store. Relatively the same. Right. And so you had a lot of franchisees, uh, business owners with frontline staff saying, this is BS. No one's, I, I, the government's ruined my business and, and no one will come back to work. And of course I hear that and I say, well, I think it's your, your fault because you, your culture is being tested. Tell us how, how were you impacted? Yeah, this is a, this is my favorite story. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty messed up to think this, though, that like the pandemic was essentially the best thing that happened to our culture. Oh, easily, easily the best. Yeah, tell us. And yeah, so we went through, geez, initially, you know, obviously things shut down. We had no real idea. When I say we, I mean everybody. We just had no idea what we were getting involved with. And we went from, you know, being relatively break-even sales-wise to overnight down 40, 50, 60%. Scary. Yeah, I was just thinking. And Dan, from a transparency perspective, because I believe that's really shifted with you too, were you telling the staff, hey, we're down 40, 50 points? Were you sharing that information? I tell them everything. That's new Dan. I'm going to say old Dan did not share that information. Old Dan and not anyone else does either. You know, I I share them all their sales. I'd say bi-weekly, we talk about how we're doing sales-wise, all that type of stuff, down, up, wherever. And, okay, great. Uh, so you share that you're down. Continue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I shared what we're down. I shared how we're not sure what we're getting involved in. And, you know, it looks like inevitably that we're going to have to do layoffs. And 
we initially came in with the mindset and I just said to myself, like, hey, we're going to approach the layoff thing as voluntary only. Like if you're uncomfortable, if you're scared, whatever, take a layoff, no harm, no foul. You know, the rest will try and give as many hours as possible and keep you guys going. And yeah. that was kind of like the, the moment in my head where I was thinking, you know, here we have minimum wage people who, let's be honest, probably live paycheck to paycheck. I know how much they make and it's just, you know, for the, for the job level, it's ridiculous. Anyway, we don't need to get into that, but I I look like there's gotta be something we, we can do. And we were coming into, I guess, March and we usually have a meeting around, we do a a profit sharing program and stuff like that. And we had a poor year the year before there was no profit. We talked about it months and months before of how this wasn't going to happen. And we looked at everything and I just thought, Hey, I'm just going to start up some type of relief program. So we essentially took a big chunk of money out of the company and gave it to employees, just said, Hey, this this is it. Like I know people are going to get hours cut. You guys are going to want to keep your insurance insurance, which we continued to pay while they were laid off. And yeah, it was awesome. And we just gave them that chunk of money and just said, Hey, listen, this isn't performance. This isn't anything. This is, Hey, we're going through a pandemic. I'm not sure. I get that you guys are going to be financially crunched. And sorry, I want to say something you just said as I'm not sure, you know, and we were literally just talking about this uh, with Bavana from Microsoft is, is this vulnerability is now bravery versus before it was not bravery. It was a sign of weakness, right? right? I don't have the answers here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, we have have no idea. Jeez, I I was technically like a full on franchisee, like year and a half. Not, Not so my first year. Right, right. My first, yeah, yeah. First year in the business that I'm just thinking like, okay, Here's a pandemic sandwich for you. Yeah, yeah. Dad, meanwhile, Dad sitting at home watching Netflix, smoking a cigar. Right? Yeah, yeah. How's it going? And he's no, I shouldn't say that. He was a huge support. So, but, so uh, I, yeah, I know you also talked about meeting a lot of gossip and 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 really kind of leaning into gossip with facts. Tell me more about that. Well, I think it's you know it's no secret with all this the amount of misinformation, yep. everything going on. I mean. When we were talking to people, and this is early on pandemic, all the info that uh, team members were getting wasn't through any type of, you know, peer source material, any type of news source. It was all from Facebook, essentially. And so we, we talked about how we could kind of break through that. And I was, you know, I was spending, I would say, three, four hours a day of just, just that, just being an open book. And uh, we just decided, hey, let's start doing some type of a town hall. Let's do an online thing. Let's do this a couple time, times a week where we would just break through all the BS. Just say like, here are the actual factual things that are happening right now. Here's as much as I know. I'm sharing everything 100% transparency. Love and we started doing those Mondays and Fridays for geez, three, four months, maybe more. Still do them today, bi-weekly, but we were doing pandemic updates constantly. Every time there was a call, with the government, I would watch it. I'd relay everything along and just, we just drove home that message of, listen, guys, I'm not trying to make this difficult on you, but this is the, this is the facts, like no facts, no, no bullshit stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not coming to your own conclusion. I'm being hundred percent honest. And that was a big turner too. And we started to go from, you know, we obviously laid off about half the staff, maybe even more. They're probably only about 30 people working. And we were getting like 25, 26 people on these calls. You know, people were chiming in at work. They were they were on them and they wanted to be part of it. And there was like this big trust that kind of built up there. 
which took a while to kind of gain, but that was the, that was the kind of moment, one of the moments that was, that was big. Just like, oh, okay, yeah. they know I'm not full of it. That's right. You're sharing, you're, you, you're not just sharing information. It's updated information. You have transparency with real-time information and people really trust leaders when they do that. Well, and like you said, it was showing vulnerability. Like I, geez, I was scared. I didn't know what I was getting right. involved in. Like not even health related. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, from a financial standpoint, I'm thinking like, all right, like I'll be okay. But I didn't know, like this was pre-government yeah. health, pre-anything. And so you have that going on. And then as well as, yeah, you're not allowed. I live at home alone with a dog. You know, all of a sudden they're saying, don't see anyone. So that's, that's what I went through. It was like a couple months yeah. of like hanging out by myself and talking to people on, uh, on conference lines. So. And so your team rallied together. I mean, it sounds like, you know, let's talk about some of the outcomes and, and maybe the, the before and after. So maybe one before is lots of turnover, now less turnover. What are some of the befores and afters of this culture transformation for you? So just like uh, pre post pandemic kind of thing. Or just pre post culture, even pandemics aside. So what were some of the results of strong culture versus uh, before? And, you know, we've talked about some of these things, having people more involved. So they're obviously more engaged turnover, I think has made um, had a change in turnover uh, as well as even you and I talked, I think it was last week or the week before about some business results too, that are now starting to really kick themselves off. Right. What is it's just high level? What, what did you see snapshot before and after what are the impacts to the business? So before I would look at like, well, I guess, focus on turnover. Turnover was, you know, we weren't getting the healthy turnover. It was, you know, we had, again, we had a, a players, good people leaving the business. And it was just kind of looked at as an, Oh, like they found another job. They want to move on. You were a transition place. Yeah, exactly. You know, they would come in, they'd say, you know, we're good. Like we don't really want to deal with this. We'll figure something else out. And that was, Bought. like there wasn't really much of an exit interview it was just like yeah yeah they're they're honest that uh, fair enough and meanwhile we had people who were constantly kind of on our radar they were the ones staying and now it's now it's the opposite now it's when someone leaves if they're uh if they're an a player it's on management radar right away and they'll see what's up and then i we have a personal talk and nine times out of ten it's here are the reasons why this is what's happening. This is what's going on. It's not as simple as school got in the way or I want another right. job. Mm-hmm. And that's when the kind of investigation of why this stuff happens and mm-hmm. it's happening less and less that we're losing that, those good people. That's great. And yeah. so turnovers impacted, obviously what's what are the customers saying? Are the customers happier? The, the, the energy seems to be different, right? From a customer's perspective. Oh, the energy like night day different we get comments on it quite a bit and you know i look at uh we do these survey things and we're well ahead like industry average you know of like just customer satisfaction stuff and you know that's that's pretty much dead on like factual stuff they're going in there they're saying what's up and you know we're we're hitting in the you know 70s 90s when industry averages below 55. Wow. That, that's incredible, Dan. That's incredible. Yeah, that's huge. And what, what, you know, what advice would you have for, you know, someone who's in a similar position, probably doesn't have all of the roadblocks that you had, but, but someone who <laughs> wants to do a culture transformation and, and, and want, it believes that's the right thing to do. 
and they want to lean into culture, there's going to be roadblocks. What advice would you have to someone who's now ground zero where you were two and a half years ago? Oh, I would say, uh, number one, be vulnerable. And I know we talked about it earlier. I think that's the, the biggest one. It's hard. It's difficult to like kind of, kind of cliche, but look at yourself in the mirror and be like, all right, I need to change. And with me, uh, we were doing the same thing over and over again, same result. And I'm thinking, you know, this eventually will come around. Eventually it'll come around. It That's never the definition did. of insanity, right? And doing the same thing over and over again, waiting for a different result. But I think that's a super common thing in yeah. not just any industry, but definitely like the QSR thing. It's just, this is what I've been told. This is what I'll keep doing. Yeah. I think to be vulnerable and then almost in the same breath, like you gotta be resilient. Like you just gotta push something and push it and push it. Like I look at where we are uh, now, three years on, and we didn't see any real big traction until year two. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And then right. eventually, eventually you switch that around. You start moving forward just inch by inch. And, right. you know, I look at where we are now and I just think like, we've come a ton, like a long, long way, but we're still like, there's still so, so much opportunity and, and don't get complacent. I mean, that's another right. big one. And what a different lens from like, now this is opportunities. I mean, that's a different lens for you too, right? These before it's, these are problems. Now it's like, we've got opportunities. We can also do these other things. And, you know, I, you know, from my perspective, you know, you run very different and the way you engage, you know, your coworkers uh, is very different than any franchisee. It's a very inclusive, they're involved in, in goals, uh, more education, um, you know, peer to peer, where they share each other's challenges. I mean, it's just a very different environment, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of tooting my own horn, but I have, you know, I, I have close friends who are involved in things like that. And, and their day to day is just almost pulling their hair out. And I think we've more than likely talked about this before, but, you know, I'll be out doing something around town or I'll be doing something at home or whatever. And everyone just kind of looks at me and is just like, what do you do? You don't work at all. You know, I like someone who has drive. You have no drive. You don't know what you're doing. I'm just thinking like, all right, great. Like I'm you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to do a phone call for an hour with the team. We're going to have a great conversation. We're going to pick some problems. We're going to poke some holes and they're going to love it. And I'm going to love it. And we'll move forward. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Dan, that's incredible. Anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about today? <sighs> Wow, you think it's important, you know, from those who might be listening to this, anything that maybe we didn't cover off? I, I really don't think. I mean, if I could bring up one little example, kind yeah. of, again, again, it's pandemic related topic of the hour for sure. But yeah, we, uh, I know like in Canada, we had the Serb thing. And I know a lot of people in the industry were just like, like you mentioned, no one's coming back. They can get paid when they sit on the coach and watch TV and, you know, my whole peer group was spewing that same, same message of just, you know, no one's going to want to come back if they can get paid. Uh, a huge like shout out to our team. We had of the 82 employees, we had 81 come back. And I just want to make sure that we kind of get that message out of like, we didn't do anything, you know, different. We didn't offer them $5 more. We didn't change a wage. We just have this group where they knew they were coming back to an inviting environment. And I think that's huge. What, what did your peers think? Because they had different challenges. <laughs> I, I, I don't really, 
I don't really know. It was kind of, no one really asked me, which I kind of find surprising of just what did you do differently? Right. Just right. no one really. Because was, the belief, the belief is stronger than that. They, they, you, sometimes we don't see things we don't listen or hear because our belief just says it is what it is, you know? Well, well everything like, I, I, they just look and they think that we did some monetary value thing to right. get people in the door. Like, oh, you must've spent this much money. You must've done this. You must've done that. Like, no, we, this is something we've been working on for years. So this is right. just, this is just what happened from all of it. This is like yeah. the key moment of, mm. we didn't do anything. We didn't offer one any more money. We just, we just listened and we were transparent with people. And, you know. Yeah, there is, there is one story I would like you to tell. Um, can you tell a story of um, the female employee when we introduce huddles and the information that came out and where the team, it, you know, had a, what, I, I believe the team had a belief system that's that thought that this, this female employee was lazy. And then they, they did oh. the, their highs and lows and how I'll let you finish the story about her hands. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I can tell this story. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we were having one of our, our daily huddles and, you know, it was always the the perception of this, this one employee that she didn't work, want to work the drive-through window. You know, she didn't want to, she didn't want to do that. She just made up some excuse. So she didn't have to do a certain role, whatever. There was just something like this whole narrative was created. That's right. And, and, and I want to make reference to a past podcast with Justine uh, Glavin, who's, who's actually worked with you guys again. She talks about narrative coaching. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back because it's exactly what Dan's talking about. We create this narrative of our own story of why someone is or isn't doing something. Back, back to you, Dan. Yeah, same thing with Candace, right? You create this outcome in your head of this whole negative thing happening. And that's what they were doing with her. They're like, this, she's not doing this because she just wants to weasel out of the job. She wants to have her own way, whatever. So we have this open huddle on the floor of everyone gets around all 10 people and just kind of say what's on your mind, high and low of the day. And uh, yeah, she lets everyone know that she's got arthritis and difficulty with her hands. And everyone is just sitting there and they're like, you know, you could see just on their face, like guilt, oh, right? Reflecting on like what I've been thinking. And that was as simple as that, you know, that's. Wow. So, so think about that, that moment that brought the team together. All of a sudden it went from you're lazy. You don't do the job. Why are you even here to how can I, Oh my God, how can I help you here? No, get away from the drives too cold over there. Right. What a shift. I know it's huge. And that's something yeah. that we're really trying to push too with regards around sick calls. Right. People falling in sick is a, I mean, that's gotta be a huge common thing in the QSR thing. We're just thinking, Oh, they're calling in sick because they're skipping work or or whatever. And right now, now the team, you know, they say someone's sick. You know, towards the end of the day, they grab the phone, they check in with them, they see how they're doing. Wow. And, and if that person's actually sick, they yeah, absolutely, they feel great. And if they're not, by the odd chance, they're thinking, wow, they, you know, I feel a little guilty. I'm going to make sure I'm there, like that kind of right. thing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Dan, look, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I got to say, like, I am incredibly proud of you. I think you've you've overcome hurdles that, that most don't have, even in large enterprise companies, you know, uh, it's been really awesome to watch you and you, dude, you must be super proud yourself and you're, I'm sure your father is as well. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I'm incredibly fortunate to be in this situation, like family business, all that stuff, but yeah, it's just to see everything and then kind of look at things that we didn't like and to shift them and just kind of break through trust break the mold essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so. Well, no, hey, look, um, I, I'm, I was excited to have you on today and, and thanks for sharing your story. 
And, you know, I think there's some lesson here. There's some great lessons for, from a belief standpoint for people in your space, in your business, and for, for the larger enterprise companies like the RBIs to look at this and say, wow, this can be different at the frontline franchise level. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a huge investment of, it's more of an investment in time than it is anything monetary. 100%, and it, yeah. And it's paying off. I mean, I'm, I'm happier than I was four or five years ago. So that right That's there great. is worth it. So, and I think everyone else reaps the benefits of that too, so. Absolutely. Dan, thanks, uh, thanks so much. It's been great to chat to you again and uh, you enjoy your weekend and uh, we'll be chatting soon. Anytime. For more information on Dan and anything else related to scaling culture, please see the show description for details. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest. 